The barge is equipped, the lifeboats are ready. It's only listing slightly to the right. Euros, we're coming for you. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's Wednesday, 2nd of June. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Luke Moore. Although it occurs to me, would it list to the right or to the left? If it's overstocked on the right, would it list to the left? List to the right. I think you're yeah, absolutely spot on. Right. And I think oh. you've ruined your own well-written good line oh, at the start. Oh, yeah. no. What a disaster. I'm not, because I'm thinking of sailing boats and, you know, you like lean out to the side to make yeah. it go the other direction. Not on the barge. Not <laughs> no. on the barge. Don't, don't lean out of the barge. You need no. to stay in the barge. The only time you want to lean backwards out of a barge is if you're trying to reach out to the towpath to grab a beer. Grab a beer. Someone's <laughs> left on the side for you. Lovely. I thought you had like a separate beer dinghy going alongside yeah I do yeah that's what yeah, we're using idea, one of the actually. lifeboats for actually I think yes. is we yeah. stock that up with a bit of ice and um, yeah. Kate also goes into every major tournament with um, a cap with two cans of beer <laughs> with yeah. straws coming down into her mouth at all times <laughs> and I, I also only drink cans of beer from those what are they call stubbies like yeah. Auss, Aussies call them with the stupid little sleeves that they use for no what, reason to, no it's to keep them cold to keep it cold yeah, the, the stubby is like 330 millilitres how, well, how hot it is it going to get in that's the course of your <laughs> that's, that's a shot that's a shot that's what I open with those are the shots I open with oh guys the squad is complete uh, who have we got? Mason Greenwood pulled out early yesterday with an injury. Aaron Ramsdale, Ben White, Ben Godfrey, James Ward-Prowse, Ollie Watkins and Jesse Lingard all left out, although we're going to see him play tonight. The plot thickens. We'll get on to the others in a minute, but I know given his prowess at set pieces and how many dead ball situations we benefited from at the last World Cup, you'll be seething at the absence, Luke, of Southampton's James Ward-Prowse. No, I'm not seething, actually. But no one else can take a free kick. Uh, yeah, I know, exactly, yeah. Um, although, this is the thing about it, right? And I know what you're doing here, Mason. <laughs> and I will indulge you for a moment. People are saying, James will prowse this, James will prowse that, dead balls this, dead balls that, right? And they're also saying the midfield is a little bit light for particular reasons around injuries. And Fine. Henderson is injured. Yeah, I accept, I accept that, right? But Gareth Southgate was literally asked a question in a press conference yesterday about how he's going to choose which free kick takers are going to take free kicks because there's so many of them. Right? <laughs> yeah. so I don't think it's a justification to put a player into an England squad just because he's good at free kicks when it's a tiny percentage of what you have to do. And all the people who I've seen talk about James Ward-Prowse haven't actually given any concrete reasons to my knowledge about why he should actually be in there and why he should actually be a part of what is a really exciting, talented great young England squad. It's no disrespect to James Ward-Prowse. Obviously, I like to take the piss about, out of him a little bit because he plays for Southampton, but generally, generally, it's not, it's not, it's not a dig at him. It's like, you know, you the, the international football is littered down the years and the decades with players who were really good players who didn't have big international careers because mm. there were other players out there better than them. It's no disgrace. It's just one of those things. Yeah. So I don't want to focus on the negatives. I don't want to focus on who's not in the squad because we're gearing up for a big tournament. It's going to be exciting and we've got a lot of good players in there. Yeah. But do you feel a little bit let down by the fact that there's not really that there's not really any controversy in this squad? No. Manufactured, I'm... yes. Real, yeah. not real. Well, no, they've I... tried the right-back thing, haven't they? Yeah. That's the big the, story. The bloody right-back, Trent Alexander-Arnold. It's like Southgate said, he was always in. I spoke to him three weeks yeah. ago. Mm. But also, I guess mm. the, the thing now will be whether he plays or not, um, I suppose, and w- whether he starts or not. And if he doesn't, it will be there'll be a constant call for him. And if he does, there'll be a constant call for someone else in that right-back berth because I think that's going to be the narrative just underlying the, the tournament, isn't it? But I, do th- I was dreading 
someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold, possibly even Jack Grealish being left out. So you had this, oh, if only he'd done that yeah. ahead of the tournament. He hasn't got that. And that's, little, little that's really, really, really good. Exactly, well, yeah. exactly. And it's like... And Greenwood obviously being injured is yes, helpful yeah, as well. Greenwood, Greenwood. It was weird the way the, 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 um, the cut started happening. Was it first with Greenwood pulling out and then you're hearing that James Ward-Prowse hadn't made it. It's like, how, why is he... Picking them off like in a horror movie. Like, why why yeah. are they gradually getting cut? Like yeah. not all at once. It's just like Mike Myers from Halloween film. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. just turn up the hotel room with a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Mason. <laughs> yeah. Like the guy from uh, Friday the Thirteenth with a big hockey stick. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. Uh, I, do you know what? I watched a press conference yesterday, as I'm sure many people listening did, and I'm sure you guys did. I like the fact that the team and the squad is made up by of a load of players that are exciting, that are interesting. I know Michael Cox did a piece fairly recently about the type of young players that England are generating now, which is far different to what it used to be. Mm. And that's a reason to be excited, not just because of the novelty of it, but because it's you know those players are effective. Those players are great to watch. Yeah. Those players are, are can affect games. And um, secondly, I think our manager, not saying he makes all the right decisions, not saying I agree with every decision, and I'm not saying that you know it, he'll necessarily be successful or that this is a key to success, but he's a class actor at Southgate. Yes. He's very in control of his environment. He knows what he wants to do. He And, and Marcus has talked a bit about this before, about how perhaps it's because he wasn't necessarily seeing himself take the job, at least at the time he took it. Mm. He seems to have a good appreciation for what it entails. And he said that quite a lot, didn't he? I understand when people say things about me, this is the job I'm in. But the reason I spoke to Trent three weeks ago is because I want him to be on the same level, essentially. And there was a really nice moment in the press conference because the game tonight is being played at the Riverside Stadium in Middlesbrough, which is an old stomping ground of Gareth. Mm. He said he was interviewed by a local journalist. And there was a moment of genuine affection. I, th- I can't remember her full name, but I think she works for BBC Look North. She's called Dawn Someone. And among all the bullshit, among all the world's media being focused on it, she was like, Gareth, it's Dawn so-and-so. And straight away, even though he's not worked in Lisbeth for years and years, he was like, Dawn, it's really nice to see you. How are you? How are you getting on? And, he was like, and she was like, oh, it's great. Nice to see you too. How are you? Yeah, fine. And it was like old friends meeting again. Yeah. And I think that speaks a lot to the type of person he is. And that makes me proud of him being the England manager. I'm not saying it means he's going to win it, but I mean, it's, it's great to have a team like that and a manager like that who's not a little bit prickly, who's mm. not a little bit kind of up himself, who does understand the greater good, who does understand the, the meaning of the team and how that's the greatest and most important thing. And it made me really excited when, yeah. I, when I saw the squad. And what I'm hearing is July the 11th. Saddle up. <laughs> Saddle up, Wembley. That's what Luke Moore is saying. He said, he, he said the himself. final will be at Wembley. This much we know. <laughs> yeah. We'll be influencing the game as usual, Jim. Yes, indeed. He said, didn't he, including the two friends, he said, look, we're planning for nine games. This is why I've picked the squad. Mm. This is why we've done what we've done. We're planning for nine games. And, and like Gary Lewin said as well, you know, you, you can take Jordan Henderson. He may not have played for since February 20th, but he can yeah. be ready. Absolutely. I mean, th- those are... The fitness of Henderson and Maguire are slight worries for me. They could be things that do become a problem, but obviously he has thought about that. Um, so, and, and I suppose it is what it is. And I, in his shoes, I'd have made the same decision for bringing those players. I am a little, I think centre-back might be the position that we're not quite strong enough in. Yeah. When you look around at the quality of the squad, it is pretty dazzling. But like this, the centre-backs, I do wonder if like we may just come up short against some proper top-quality attack. But one of the things that, makes me so happy about this squad looking at it which which goes on top of the maturity that you're talking about with with Southgate and the and the 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 pragmatic kind of realistic and 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 kind of you know thoughtful approach to a tournament like this is 
I think back to when Spain's amazing generation was coming through and we hadn't even been doing the show that long mm. and you would look at those players coming through with, with jealousy really and it wasn't even just the players even the players on the fringes of the squad the young players coming through it was like oh my god have you, did you see that Sergio Canales goal remember that famous goal he scored when Madrid bought him off the back of it it's like mm. they've got another one coming through and obviously it didn't always, always work out for all of those players but you would look at the England squad and you think why, how come we don't do this yeah. why don't we have players that are this technical and obviously the changes at that point, were already being implemented at, at the youth level to make sure that, you know, if you were tall, you weren't either a centre-back or a centre-forward. <laughs> and, like, you know, you know, th- there was an actual focus on players being able to, to technically understand how to use a ball when they were children. And now we, we have that generation coming through. You've got your players like Phil Foden and, and Bukayo Saka and, and, and the young players who, who just have a lot more technical quality than, we, than we, we're used to seeing from young, raw players coming through. No, like, I don't, I don't know. Would you describe any player in that squad as raw? That's I don't ex- think what you I was would. Say. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I don't, I don't think mm. they are short. So the average caps per player in our squad, in the England squad, is 20, which I think is the lowest number in the tournament, i.e. the lowest average. It's also yeah. the youngest average in the tournament as well. But that doesn't... The that's age average. Age yeah. average, yeah, sorry. Yeah. That doesn't make you feel like we're under-equipped. No, it doesn't. At all. Look at how far these players have gone in Europe, a lot of them, yeah. uh, over the past three seasons as well. They've done, they've done incredibly well. They've got a lot of experience. I mean, maybe I'm talking myself into what will later <laughs> become pain. In fact, I know we're doing that. But, I mean, oh, this no. is the best squad we've had in a long time, right? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I it think, feels I think, like that. No gaps apart from the one you've identified. I yeah. think with, with that, though, brings its own pressure. Like it, there, was, there was almost like a free hit element to 2018. Mm. And um, you know, you had, at, you know, half of what you said there, Jim, was true in 2018 as well. Exciting players, young players, technical players, etc. And they came up short, but they, they grew a lot and they, and they learnt a lot and they impressed and it was a great summer and we were all very happy as England fans. Now we've got to see how far we come because those players are more experienced, new, even better players have come through and we've got a lot of games at home. Mm. Everything's stacked in our favour. The mm-hmm. same way the draw was stacked in our favour in 2018, yes. if we're honest. Which yes. is also really so, important to think about. Yeah. So I would, I would like to build on what you said, Jim, about the centre-backs thing and say, actually, if you were going to be super critical, you would probably argue that um, outside of the attacking aspect of our team, we're probably quite, we're probably weakest in goalkeeper Defending yeah. centrally and midfield centrally. Pope's so, a huge miss, I feel. So, so mm. well, well, I think I think Pickford. A lot of people aren't convinced by him anyway. But if you are convinced by him, there's nothing after him really. I mean, Dean Henderson's got yeah. one cap. Sam Johnson's got zero caps. No disrespect to them, but they ain't gonna, you know, they ain't going to fill everyone with confidence because they can't. But Henderson has been making starts. I mean, in comparison with say, let's say this, sure. these years were taking place a year ago. Sure. You know, he has been starting regularly. He's, he's played a lot of football. For a yeah. massive club. He's played a lot of football, but I think it's, it's it's not quite night and day. But there's a big difference, even if you're at Manchester United, between playing and vying for a first team shirt at Man United and being as part of that bubble in England squad in the mm. Euros. And, if, and he's, if he's asked upon after three minutes of the first game, it's going to be a big step up. Yeah. And I think we need to acknowledge that. I'm not course, I'm not yeah. using it. I'm not using it as a lightning rod to criticise him. I'm just saying that's the case. Centre back is the same. I, I think Jim's right, particularly with the fitness of Harry Maguire. Centre midfield, possibly. If Jordan Henderson is going to break down an injury, he needs to do it before Saturday, <laughs> the Saturday yeah. so we can actually replace him. And then, but what that says is actually, I was going to make this a positive point. I think everyone would like to see him just go for it then. Yeah. yeah. But you, you ain't going to. Andy Brassel talks a lot about um, international tournaments being more defensive minded and how yes. like, people are going to somehow do what Greece did in 2004, or whatever. I don't agree with that. And I think people. 
um, who know loads about football like Andy, always look at stuff logically like that and say that. I don't particularly remember tournaments always being like that. And I don't think we saw that from the Champions League final, for example, which would be the same principle. Mm. End of a long season, people desperate to win. It was really attacking. It was end-to-end. Yeah, but that's a specific one game. I think he's talking about the way you manage your games because it's a knockout, because it's, you know, it's tournament football, obviously. You have to be systematic. Sure, but if England approach it in that way, what I'm saying is they'll come up badly short, in my opinion. Mm. So they have to go for it, I think. I think they've just got to go for it. They've got to... um, you know, play to their strengths, play an attacking team. Don't quite go the full, never go the full pep. Yeah. But, you know, do go part do of the way. Pick one of your defensive yeah, yeah. Uh, and a striker. And, and, and I also, I also, what I wanted to do as well, if it's okay with you guys, is I wanted to address this quote unquote four right backs thing. It's really important because the way the media works is that they will try and find a narrative, as Jim's already alluded to, as to why there can be some controversy or something to talk mm. about. And this four mm. right backs thing seems to be the thing. It's the same with injuries. Listen to Lions Watch from Saturday where Gary Lewin was on with Marcus and Vish and he was talking about specifically injuries. Look, he was saying the most frustrating thing was not being able to answer back because half the shit that was talked about injuries to players in tournaments was complete bollocks. And, and, and they would refer to knee injuries as, oh, he's got a knee injury, where every single knee injury Gary Lewin said he's seen in his entire career was completely different, right? Mm. So people are talking from a not a position of knowledge. And that's why the injury thing's interesting. But the right-back thing, I think, is fascinating because Southgate said it clearly yesterday. These are good players. They've played in lots of different positions between them and they're vital for the balance of our team. They're not just right-backs. They're really good players. And every single one of them has played in a different position that isn't right-back. So why are we fucking talking about it? Yeah. Also, even the term right-back is a bit of a misnomer now, isn't it? Mm -hmm. If you look at the way... Trent Alexander-Arnold plays, for example, yeah. it's like really influenced by Danny Alves, which is effectively a right-sided, a right-sided player. That yeah. entire side of the pitch yeah. is is his remit, and I think there's an argument that all those players play like that now. I do. I, part of me wants to see him start Trent Alexander-Arnold at right wing back, Kieran Trippier on the left, Kyle Walker in a three, <laughs> and Trent Alexander-Arnold in midfield. Like, <laughs> Where you've just, just like, didn't just you do put, Trent squeeze twice them all in. there? I think I did, yeah. yeah so, Reece, Reece, sorry, Reese James is playing as, right, as, as back. Wing back. Traditional... Yeah, right wing back. I think yeah. Gareth, Gareth would pick him twice if he could. Yeah. Alexander um, Arnold or Reese James? Yeah, well, either of them. And I, th- <laughs> and I would be. He I wanted would... more right backs, he said. Yeah, I'd be in favour <laughs> of that. He was like, where's Wambasaka? I, I think on the, on the point, Jim, about the, um, the evolution of the positional play is really interesting as well because you're absolutely right. It isn't a case of he's a defender, he's a midfielder, yeah. he's a forward. And it hasn't been that for some time. And let's face it, he's providing more assists than anyone else for Liverpool. Mm. Alexander Arnold, and we can't afford to do without someone like that. And you know, the right decision we, was made apparently three weeks ago we, when everyone wasn't panicking. Well, he's yeah. got that. You know, he he also provides the sort of delivery people say that only James Ward Prowse can. As we've, <laughs> as we've said, it's like it's 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 Becker mask compared to what we've had in the past. And also, Jack Grealish is an absolute free kick factory. Mm. So if you've got him on the pitch, if you've got those two on the pitch, mm. you you potentially give yourself another advantage. I'm Just not worried about don't have Harry Kane taking corners and you're fine. Yeah, you've, um, also, you've <laughs> also got to look into, like another example would be how the German squad announced their teams, announced their squads for tournaments. And they've been doing it for years. They don't really announce it in that same kind of way. Mm. These are the defenders. These are mm. Germany's squad currently for the Euros, they've got three quote-unquote forwards. Right, yeah, yeah, and one of those is Timo Werner, one of them is Serge Gnabry, and one of them is Kevin Volland. I think I don't think they've announced their one for the actual. Oh, maybe they have announced the twenty-six, and that's the three. But if you look at it on paper, they've got eleven midfield players. Yeah, yeah. well, that's Thomas Müller. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Obviously, it's not going to work like that, right? Mm. You can't tell me that Gundogan is the same as Joshua Kimmich, who's the same as Kai Havertz, who's played up front for yeah, Chelsea yeah, in the Champions yeah. League final. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. So it, it is a lot more fluid now. And I think people get focused a bit too much on that. I understand the imbalance argument, 
But then, you know, players in that group of four have played left on the left. So, look, it's different challenges for different games. We're planning for, for seven games in the tournament itself. It will be a different challenge playing a Croatia than it will be playing a Scotland, which if you, you come up against a France, you've got a different challenge to solve. Mm. So he's looking for the players that are going to help him better do that. It'll be great. It will be. It's, it's going to be great. You, if, you, um, if you don't look at any other squads, you can really easily convince know, that we're going to win this. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, now I feel like I should be taking the temperature down a little bit. Uh, quick word <laughs> on Jay Ling's. He's not in, or is he? What's, yeah. Do we feel like there's something afoot here? Well, the fact have, that he's playing? Get your Tim Four hats on. Yeah, yes. we, 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 we knocked on. up a theory about this, didn't we, before the show? <laughs> well, I did it, and I want you to say it. Okay, <laughs> <it's coming. laughs> well, you, you, you were saying that you think it's possible <laughs> that somebody has an injury that um, that hasn't been reported to the press that, that might become a problem later, so Lingard is staying in just in case that becomes a problem. And Southgate has said as well that this is the reserve lift list, so he needs to keep them in match, yeah, match shape, which sure. does make sense. It seemed crazy at first, but when you, when you hear him explain it, it's like, so, okay. So, so let me put a bit more meat on those bones, because... That's that. That was the that was the light version. That was not the diet version. And He's I coming back you, in. I respect for you for, for bailing me out there. <laughs> I was actually what I what I thought would perhaps be the case is that there may be a player that we haven't talked about too much re injuries that is perhaps a bit more injured than we think, and I think that player might be Marcus Rashford. <laughs> right. Okay. I thought you were yeah, going to just do that whole thing and then not say who we think it no. is. <laughs> yeah. Tune in tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I, I think Marcus Rashford, who's got a well publicised shoulder injury and foot injury that isn't being talked about quite so much as being injured because he said he's fine and he said to Gareth Southgate he's fine. I wonder whether, it may not even be him, but I wonder whether if if um, someone does pull out between now and next Saturday, obviously Lingard will be, probably be the first off the block. Yeah. But I do also think that um, the, the, the rationale, although originally straight away when I heard about it, I was confused. I do kind of understand it, that he wants to keep players match fit. He wants to give them chance to, to grace as part of the group as possible. I, I'm pretty sure Ben White, Ben Godfrey and uh, Aaron Ramsdale were always going to just be training yeah. for experience anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the other players perhaps will be will be called upon if, if something happens between now and Saturday. It has to be, I think, a new injury between now and next Saturday, which may mean my theory is completely blown out of the water. But look, we've got to talk about something, mm. haven't we? Also, isn't it the case that Jack Grealish hasn't been able to partake in every training session? So yeah, it might right. be a little yeah. question mark over him as well. Yeah. Um, there's already been some international football guys, the biggest of all fixtures. San Marino got their first away goal in over three and a half years in a 4-1 defeat to Kosovo. That's um, the big story. Why that's we the big that? story. And the famous YouTube San Marino fan played it over the played Titanic music over the top of it on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, it's the San Marino fan account is what it's called. It's good to have stuff, you know, in this day of branding, complicated branding, it's good to have something that yeah. just does what it says He's on the probably tin. quite close to getting a game. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. Be in the pool. Yeah. Yeah, I felt a bit sorry for, um, on the on the Sky Sports website, they put just the one San Marino goal, not the four Kosovo goals, <laughs> um, all of which were scored by Vedet Mariki. So Very congrats, nice. mate. Good he, job. So he scored four goals in the game and didn't get in the highlights. Yeah. Didn't get in That's the highlights. That's astonishing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what you get when the most serene republic of San Marino score a goal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. No, the most important game last night for us, I think, was seeing Croatia draw... Yeah, one-one with Armenia. That's right. That's yeah. who but Jim watched the game. 90th I watched the, in the first world. half of the game. Yeah, you could see what looked like, looked like a B Didn't road see the Armenia in game. the background. Uh, goal though. No, I watched the highlights of it though. Good okay. goal actually. Uh, yeah, it just looked like a training game as you'd expect from from this sort of friendly at this sort of. You point. don't think it looks like a nailed-on example of the fact that we're going to absolutely smash that Croatian they, they, they side? They looked like they weren't ready for what's coming to them. I have yeah. to say. There was a real, real sense of that. Do you mean England? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't see in the future. Yeah. That might yet happen tonight. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, no, it, I mean, obviously, it's so so little you can draw from that. I did feel a little bit like one of Beelzebub's spies. Like, oh, yeah. Aha, they don't know I'm looking at this. Right. Which um, <laughs> is watching the game on TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, it was in, it was in like, what looked like a training stadium, like literally a B road in the background, <laughs> like just people in Croatia. I saw it, yeah. You know, you know doing the thing. Um, <laughs> But, but you know you know what's interesting? The Armenia goal was a beauty, by the way. I would, mm. if, if those of you who are fans of, 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 of balls being smashed into the top corner for 30 yards, should check it out. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, it's a training game. It's a warm-up game. You know, there's going to be checking out different formations, different styles, different shapes, seeing players' fitness, etc. We can't read too much into the result. But what it did remind me of is something I've talked about quite a lot on Lions Watch. I know I keep mentioning it, but we are building up to the tournament now. So go and subscribe to it over on Football Round Presents. Um, I've talked about how important it is the order in which you play your games in the group mm-hmm. stage. And England have their hardest game first. Yeah. Now, that can be a problem. That can be problematic. Mm. It happened to England in quite a bad way in a tough group in 2014. They got knocked out in the group stage. Not this England. Sorry. But if you want, you need to stop this tub thumping because it's only going to look bad on you yeah. in a month's time. Um, <laughs> and we, I apologise. <laughs> we, if, we, if we go up against one of the weaker teams, Scotland or Czech Republic, it gives us a better chance. Having said that, I gamed out the the path, which I think is much more difficult to do in a 24-team tournament. If it's 16 or 32, it's much more clear because 24-team tournament, you get the um, third-place teams coming through. Mm-hmm. It looks like it might be better for England to finish second in the group anyway. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see how we go. But mm. Croatia first is the toughest game. It's at Wembley, so yeah. fingers crossed. be interesting. I think, you know, you can only draw so much from these these games, but I was struck by just how reliant they still are on Luka Modric, which is, you know, of course you're going to be very reliant on your best player. Um, but it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how England approached that, especially given how he ran the midfield in the World Cup. Yeah, I think we might already been getting a bit overheated with enthusiasm here. Certainly I am. So let's cool down in a little break. If I'm trying to get the Arsenal fans on side, there's one name missing from that list. Oh, you. yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Why don't you buy the club then? Weird. Ooh. Wenger involved. Good to hear from him, Jim. Yeah. That's a bit. Uh, that's a bit, former B and Collie. Yeah. I recognise that very clearly. Lovely old Wenger. Yeah. Why don't we get him in the studio, eh? Those, are the, can- those are the kind of guests we're managing. Those are the kind of guests we're managing to attract these days. Right. We need to get to some emails. Here we go. Genuinely good. Mm. It's like a yacht rock fade out yeah, at yeah, the end yeah. as well. Gotta be I'm, honest, I was hoping the jungle one would get another run out. Well, there's always tomorrow. That's the beautiful yeah. thing about the football ramble. But that uh, that is an amazing. Uh, it's the first time I've been on the show with that jingle, and I wanted to absolutely praise its yacht rock sensibilities. <laughs> the Atmos has gone low, hasn't it? Lee? Yeah, yeah. Parachinos, no socks, loafers on a boat. Mm. Three, three open pairs fire of na- on the boat somehow. <laughs> yeah, three pairs of naked legs in the studio today. I must yeah. tell the listeners. Yeah. Well. well Wearing shorts. <laughs> clear yeah. that up straight. We're, we're all wearing clothes from the from the waist down. In today's political climate, <laughs> let's clear that up. <laughs> yeah. Imagine. Yeah. You got an email, Luke. Yeah. I have. There's five cameras in this studio. <laughs> Don't want people to say I'm wearing any clothes to work. 
Uh, yeah, Matthew Campea has been in touch. Hello to you, Matthew. Thanks for emailing in. And this is referenced the uh, extra time chat we've been having earlier this week. He says, as a Canadian, I obviously like ice hockey. <laughs> and the way they do overtime in their playoffs is quite interesting. If the game is tied after three periods, they enter a five-on-five overtime where nobody can leave until someone scores a goal. Love that. No one can leave. Yeah. Lock the doors. Um <laughs> If 20 minutes, the length of a regular period goes by without someone scoring, they take a quick break and try again. In extreme cases, the team staff will order pizzas to the locker room to make sure that players are fueled up for however many extra periods we played. Ooh, I'd like to formally propose that UEFA take this approach for extra time in the Europa League. Instead of avoiding the fatigue problem, let's lean into it and see just how fit these players are. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Jurgen Klopp will be turning in his... Well, he's not dead. So I'm surprised it's not. I'm surprised it's pizzas. I thought there'd be some like more characteristically Canadian things. Some like, everyone gets Timmy Horton's donuts or, or whatever. Poutine. Poutine, yeah. yeah. Mm. I like it. So Alex Chalkin has been in touch as well. He says, with a recent discussion of in-stadium pools I wanted to point your attention to the best series of events involving an American sports team and an in-stadium pool <laughs> baseball's Arizona Diamondbacks have an in-ground pool behind their outfield fence where patrons can watch the game take a dip and possibly catch a home run in 2013 the Los Angeles Dodgers clinched a playoff appearance after winning a game at Arizona to celebrate the Dodgers jumped in the pool Diamondbacks players and staff were later quoted calling the Dodgers <laughs> classless and disrespectful in 2017 the Dodgers won a playoff series in Arizona and the Phoenix Police Department placed horse mounted officers in front of the gates of the pool to prevent the celebration from recurring wow. I just feel like if you've got a pool there let people enjoy it yeah it's because so they would have jumped in them it's because it's not their pool is that yeah. the point point? and they probably would have all the dusty clothes on and stuff as well lot, yeah but lot, I mean you can clean up you got all of no because pools have that recycling water thing all the time don't they filtration yeah. advanced filtration I'd imagine especially if they're letting but guests I, I, in there I've never once been to a swimming pool where they say do what you want because it'll get cleaned anyway. True. Yeah, but they always say have a shower before you get in. Yeah, but they let little kids in there and they True. those guys piss in the pools. True. Not yeah. just little kids sometimes. Um, Jules was actually right yesterday when she said that's fine but you want the pool to be elevated because if you're watching a game, a, a sport from a ground level and you're it's already effectively yeah. underground with your head at ground level, it's Although, not going to work. Kind of maybe Bielsa would disagree. <laughs> that would be the future. They would dig him a little hole. Yeah. And his head lower would just lower. be at like ball level. <laughs> like a little meerkat. <laughs> yeah. Comes like a meerkat with a decision to be made. Yeah, sounds crap. Who'd want to watch sport from within a lovely swimming pool? I'd love the idea of Bielsa being underground. And every yeah. so often you see a hand with a note. <laughs> someone comes and gets it. <laughs> he's just living on the ground and he's just got, v, he's just got v, VCRs in yeah. downstairs watching, watching he doesn't want to be distracted by the outside environment yeah. absolutely not right show at footballramble.com email us please or tweet us at footballramble thank you for that email Alex now let's get to Carlo Ancelotti because he is no longer the Everton manager after 18 months in charge he has returned to Real Madrid I don't know about you guys but I'm finding all of this you know returning to your former clubs a little bit a little bit much, but a anyway, lot of it going on. There's a lot of it going on. It's like get get some new ideas, people. Yeah. Anyway, come on to that. Chat about what it means from a real Madrid perspective, perhaps in a bit, in a second. But uh, let's let's look at this from Everton's side of things. Um, friend of mine, Nick, who uh, is a listener to the Football Ramble, good man, asked him about Ancelotti, and he said what I thought was quite an interesting thing. He said it almost felt too good to last having Carlo yeah. Ancelotti, which I mean, he said lots of interesting things, by the way, obviously. Um, but you know. This grand old club, five-time FA Cup winners, nine-time league champions, okay, not since the Premier League, uh, they finished last season 10th with 59 points. Yeah. The fact that a, you know, a fan who's been a fan since babyhood can say that 
it felt too good to last to have a manager like this. Well, it's not really surprising. I mean, Ancelotti's used to managing sort of elite level players and he didn't obviously quite have that in most cases, you know. But I do think he got off a little bit lightly, actually. I agree with that. With with the, yeah. the job he did there. They just sort of, they sort of reverted to type and mm. with the, the, the kind of manager he is, the level of experience he has as well, you would think he'd be able to get better out of them. And I think that, is the most important challenge that Everton face now. I don't think they necessarily have to go after a big name because you're obviously going to be vulnerable to them being cherry-picked in, in this exact manner. What they need to do is get someone who can improve the players they've got. They've got to you know, hang, on, hang on to James Rodriguez and hang on to Richarlison, even, even though he's been very, very frustrating. They've, I think they've got, just, they've got to concentrate on getting more out of what they already have because it's, it's been disappointing. That's been their problem for a while, hasn't it? It okay, must be very frustrating as an Everton fan. I think it has been really frustrating. I mean, so what, Graham Potter? I mean, some of the, the, the people that have that, been linked with them, it's all people that can't go there. Like David Moore is no chance yeah, no he's way. going back, especially not given the move. job he's doing at West Ham. Everton fans, I think, mainly quite snobby about Eddie Howe, uh, with, you know, obviously went down with Bournemouth. Nuno Espirito Santo. He's been, Nuno's been linked with the Palace job. I'm astonished yeah. by that. I, yeah. I thought when he left with a couple of games of the season somewhere. to go that he was leaving because he had somewhere yeah. to go, but it doesn't look that way, does it? Yeah, I, I don't have any particular insight into what he, yeah what his decision-making process was, but I saw him linked with Crystal Palace yesterday, which was surprising. But on the Everton thing, I mean, I think as ever, as, as with a lot of um, things uh, we talk about, in football I think Leicester probably provide the template here mm. I think Leicester are the template actually there's no reason for example Spurs couldn't be like a turbocharged Leicester get a coherent off field plan hire the right people to make the football decisions and get a coach like a Brendan Rodgers yeah. or whatever and that would work Everton's no there's no difference to that Everton are a historic club they're a proud club they've got high expectations they're known as being you know Goodison Park's known as being one of the most if not the most demanding stadiums in the Premier League so it's a project for someone. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking about Ancelotti getting away with one, I mean, he's just gone to Real Madrid in a three-year deal. So you don't get away with anything more just, than that. Yeah. But, do, but do you know what I think kind of amazing also looking at Ancelotti, the fact, <clears> that, the fact that they have, I guess, if you're asked to go and manage Real Madrid again, you, you can't say no. Of course not. Because it seems, you know, like a few days ago, he was talking about being there for the opening of their new stadium, Carlo Ancelotti. Mm. Like it really seems to have taken, but that said, perhaps this is me um, and Fahad Mashiri perhaps being uh, naive because he's not, Carlo, he's not lasted more than two years in a job since he was at AC Milan for eight years. His his reputation is so good and so bulletproof that he will always get jobs. Um, it's no different to a Mourinho thing, really. I mean, he's yeah. less he's less box office than Mourinho, but he's achieved a lot in his career. He's he's absolute football royalty as a player and as a manager. And if you um, read what David Cartledge we have on OTC regularly says, um, it's a good move for Real Madrid at the moment because it's stability. It's something yeah. they need. They want to get Raul long-term, but he's not ready yet. So Ancelotti coming in, it's like you know getting your favourite uncle to look after you for yeah. a weekend while your parents are away, isn't it? You know, it's a, it's, a great, it's a great thing to do. Uh, it's a great, everyone's going to have a lovely time, aren't they? It's going to be brilliant. You probably eat as much pizza as you want. Yeah. You know, and so it works for them. And it is absolutely right. Um, he's not going to turn it down because who is going to turn a three-year down, deal down at Real Madrid, even though you're only going to work 18 months of that? You're mm. going to get a payoff for the rest of it, probably. I've so been to the Bernabeu works. once and I wanted to play for Real Madrid. <laughs> oh, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you get it. Even, you, you know, the, all the Evil Empire stuff about them. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, like, you get there and you're like, no, I want a piece of this. Well, that's the thing about Evil Empires. They're very good recruiters. Well, quite, aren't they? yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I, th I think, briefly going back to Everton as well, though, I think, and this is the owners, obviously, rather than the, the expectations of the fans, they've been so obsessed with the Champions League and getting into it, it seems, you know, with the, with the, the money they've spent and, the, you know, the, 
what they've spoken about their ambitions being, but I feel like they should should be aiming to establish themselves as a Europa League team for a, for a little while and then build from that. I feel like the owners have wanted a bit too much a bit too soon, which but is kind of understandable when you manage to get in and a manager like that. But, but it's hard to though, isn't it? Because exactly. the Europa League brings its own challenges. And if you think at the um, if you think of the the league position they finished in since since the new ownership's taken over, I mean it's not been great. It's not that they've not they've not it's obviously it's very hard to break into that. Yeah. And they've shown it how hard it can be even with the resources they've had. Because they've spent like a half a billion quid on players or something. Yeah. But you have to get it right. And I think I do think and perhaps Everton fans will be upset with me saying this and comparing them to Leicester, but the Leicester model is the template. It works. I'm not I'm not talking about the ownership and how, you know, sports washing and you know, the, the idea of a good billionaire and a bad billionaire, mm. or whatever. But the point is the football operation at Leicester works because they've got a coherent plan. And there's no reason other clubs Spurs and Everton are the ones that spring to mind can't replicate that but they've got to make the right decisions and you're not going to do that with a Carlo Ancelotti it's just not going to happen So you're now saying it looks as though it was at the time it looked like a massive coup like how this is putting Everton back where they belong but now you're saying Luke it looks a bit more like a kind of a vanity move that didn't really play no, at, at the time I was. I thought I mean, it was Big a great signing I mean Big Sam finished at obviously 8th with Everton so you know yeah, questions should be asked I, I, At the time I thought it was a great great move for them because it steps them up and, and if, they, yeah. if he could have forced them in there um, it would have made sense because he would have had the experience to operate at the very top table in football if, if he could deliver Everton there, but he couldn't. So I yeah. mean, so yeah, it's the point is getting it. he couldn't. You're saying if they'd have got to that position, that would have been the man to have in, i.e., sort of Europa League Maybe, area. Yeah, but to get them up to that, that wasn't his skill set. You know what? This might actually, in the in the short term, even be a good thing for Everton because this was Ancelotti was always going to be susceptible to this sort of move as we as we've discussed and. Perhaps it just it looked to be a better fit than it was. So the sooner they get on with actually bringing someone in who can be there for a bit longer, get a coherent plan formulated, the better really. Because it's not really been progress, is it, in this one season? And now no. they've got to sort of rip it up and start again. So better to get on with that now than wait another season. They can always look back on being top a month into the season, though. You remember that, Everton fans? Four every team, four. I mean, every team at one point was top, weren't they? Like Spurs were top at one point. There was another team that came up yesterday that were top for a weird amount of time at, the, at some point in the season. Yeah, it happens. Mm. Yeah, and if we can just add to the speculation, one one manager I think potentially will be linked definitely is is Alan Pardew, and he's lining up with Luke. Barton might have gone, and Trevino did. Why Barton? Because he grabbed him by the throat. Well, I just thought that uh, firstly the guys dived. <laughs> yes, time. indeed, it is time to play your pards right. Is it just an excuse to play that jingle? Partly. 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 But, <laughs> Partly. Partly. Just doing name association now. Phil Bardsley. <laughs> Lee Carsley. <laughs> oh, we're having a meltdown. Great. Um, it's time to play your pards right. For those of you who don't know how it goes, you will pick it up very quickly. Much like the man himself, it's pretty uncomplicated. Um, uh, Jim and Kate play together. They're a team. They're also a team on the book club as well. So they're used to working together on this kind of stuff. Um, although we haven't had pards on that yet but you are going to have to work together to win this game. The mm. best uh, performance, both of which included Andy Brassel's presence, both as a solo artist and as an group. I think we should forget the solo one. Was seven players correct. What I do is I give the guys uh, a subject, or they, they pick a subject from a group of five, and then we go high or low all the way through. So here we go. Um, the categories are sorted today. Please pick a number between one and five. Two. Two. Okay, right. You have chosen... Tackles in the Premier League since 2006 and seven. Right. The reason for that is because certain stats weren't monitored Tracks, by the yeah. Premier League 
until then. So from mm. from 2006 to 2007, individual players and the amount of tackles they've made in the Premier League. Okay, it's a joke. It's a joke. You might hear that in a bit. Um, we start as always with Alan Pardew, <laughs> who at the time of recording and according to our stats has made zero <laughs> tackles in the Premier League. Your first player is Vincent Company. Do you think he's made higher or lower than zero tackles? So did Vincent Company ever make a tackle in the Premier League? That's the question here. Luke always says that I'm not confident enough when I'm doing games, so I'm going to practice that. Yeah. What do you think? Higher. You've got yes. one. Oh, You've got I feel one. Strong. There you go, Kate. Okay, so Off the mark. Vin- up straight. Vinnie Company made 550 tackles in the Premier League. Wow. Let me get that uh, You down. think it'd be higher than that? Or I would have thought, anyway. Well, that could be instructive. Hold mm. that thought. The best defenders don't need to tackle as much. True. So maybe that's part of the part you want. No, they control you with their mind. Exactly. Um, next player who certainly didn't... Actually, who pretty much controlled the entire game with his mind. Oh, yeah. Higher or lower than 550. Tackles in the Premier League. Paul Scholes. Oh, right, surely that's got to nice be Nice little red herring, right? Yeah, nice little red that's, herring. Sorry, lower. I mean lower because a lot of his tackles were really more assaults. Wouldn't they? They still count as tackles. Well, do they though? Do they? If it's a foul, is it a tackle? Yeah, it could be a red herring because he would have played in the Premier League for, a... although it's since 2006, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 since 2006. What do you think on this one, Kate? I feel stressed. People are playing along. What do you think? I feel it will be lower, but then he did play in midfield where... A lot of different variables, aren't there? There are a lot of variables. I've actually... Um, if you don't get this one right, just to let you know... I'm really every, blanked, ...all yeah. the listeners to know, this will be the worst performance in the history of the game. Yeah, but you could... The, the way you set up the game is very variable. The algorithm is much more shaky on this one, I'd say. Don't come into the studio and talk to me about algorithms, all right? I'm the algorithm king. I've been watching Tenet, though. <laughs> an, <so>. al- <laughs> an algorithm hides a multitude of sins when it comes to producing mm. shows. Okay. Higher or lower than 550? <laughs> come on, everyone listening would have made their choice. What's your choice? Should we say lower? Because I've... you know, I'm. I'm I'm the only one making a decision here, so let's go lower. And if it ends, which is unlike you, probably yeah, saying indeed. If God, it ends I'm terribly, so be it. I, hey, lower. I accept it. You yeah. want to go lower? Shit, no. Yes. Oh, you want to have a guess how many you made? Four hundred and thirty-seven. Three hundred and seventy-three. Ooh, it was a so, bigger gap than we thought. Mm. You've got two. Next player, higher or lower than three hundred and seventy-three tackles in the Premier League since two thousand six, seven. Fernandinho. Fernandinho. Surely huh? What? Yeah, no. you were surely higher than 337. Fernandinho. Three, sorry, 373 it was. 373, yeah. sorry. He's played in the Premier League for a long time, Fernandinho. Let's I just, think that's going to be let's higher. Let's just do it. Higher? Yeah. Ding! Thank that's you. three. Okay, so you're three okay, down. So we're now out of the like meltdown. Yeah, out of the embarrassment zone. Thank yeah. you. Do you think so? You think the embarrassment yeah, zone I'd is three? So. Okay, yeah, cool. I'd say so, yeah. Well, that's a relief. I feel better now. Yeah. Um, player number four, higher or lower than 578 tackles is... Sesc Fabregas. Sesc Fabregas. 578, was it? It, it is, yeah. Is um, it? 578? Fabregas is always an interesting one because people think of him as synonymous with the Premier League, but also he played elsewhere as well. So yeah. it's, it's, it's easy to get seduced. I lean towards lower. Oh, God. On that one because yeah. Fernandinho is just far more that type of player, isn't he? Yeah, I agree. Fabregas yeah. wasn't so much of a ball winner. So I think lower. You going to go lower? Is that mm-hmm. your official answer? Yeah. Yes. Don't look at my finger. Let's see which button I'm going to press. It, it, it confirms looking, I was trying answer. to look at your yeah. face. Oh, For sake! Sesk, you prick. <laughs> Broken my heart all over again. <laughs> I forgot. I actually forgot that was in there. Sesk Fabregas has made an astonishing 663 wow. Premier League tackles in his career, which means you end amazing. play your pass right today with three. A I'm really, really gutted. Three. I'm really gutted. Yeah. Sorry, Sesk. 
I apologise. I think you can apologise to me. Actually, I rather feel like you railroaded that one through. Well, you had every opportunity to put forward your own opinion. <laughs> I'm intimidated that is by a, game works. <laughs> I'm intimidated by your good looks and charms. <laughs> I, I, I was too scared. Um, all right, then. I feel sad. That's a low. That's a low way to exit. You wouldn't find that on Brassel's watch. As long as they say. And I think I think listeners will be frustrated because they would have wanted to carry on. Yeah. Um, so maybe. Is there we, any way of doing that? Well, I think as a patron thing, maybe we'll do something in the future. Patreon.com forward slash football ramble. Subscribe. Maybe we'll do a, a play your parts right version that you guys can play along with. All right. We could do it like a poll. Everyone can mm. vote. All the patrons can vote, and, yeah. then they, and we see how many far they can get. I like it. I, I think if you want to cheer us up, actually, come to think of it. Um, if you enjoyed today's show, could you please head over to Apple Pods or wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a review? It really, really helps the show. And yeah, if you've listened, if you're here at this end point, then you must think it's all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you listen to this, give us a review. You can make whatever review you want, but you've listened to this stage, so presumably you like it a bit. Lots of international football coming up tonight. England against Austria. Jesse Lingard, is he going to is he gonna stake his claim on that be secret funny if he, injury if he, spot? If he bangs in the hat-trick, that'd be funny. Yeah. It yeah. would. Uh, France up against Wales. Yeah, I guess Wales are the red-letter ones in that one. Uh, Netherlands play Scotland. Uh, there's also FIFA World Cup CONCACAF qualifying, if you like a bit of... You know, Caribbean. Uh, that's exhausting. Football. Just even hearing that is exhausting. <laughs> there you go. You're not telling us you're getting sad about the football again, Jim. <laughs> yeah, it's happened already. We're all back in the joyful <laughs> international no, zone. Wait. We're happy. The season is done. Long live the Euros. I am genuinely really excited about it now. Like yeah, so. yesterday, it's like re- it, the fever kicked in. Well, the guys will be pouring over the result from tonight, tomorrow, so that'll be exciting mm. too. They certainly will. And by those guys, you mean Marcus, Pete and Jim, you'll be back. Yep. You'll be bringing your excitement back into this warm, warm yep. studio. Uh, say goodbye for now, though, Jim. Goodbye for now, though, Jim. <laughs> say goodbye, Luke. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. See you tomorrow. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creative Network.